Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour Three. Greetings, conversationalists, and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States of America. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, those of you on the phones need to be patient because we got to get to the UFOs. This is an exchange between Mr. Grush, the uh, guy testifying, and Congresswoman Nancy Mace of South Carolina. Intelligent extraterrestrials. Something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> um, if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness? Like, how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Gotcha. Um, Okay. So, and, and you may or may not be able to answer my last question, and maybe we get into a skiff at the next hearing that we have, but who in the government either, what agency, sub-agency, what contractors, who should be called into the next hearing about UAPs, either in a public setting or even in a private setting? And, and you probably can't name names, but what agencies or organizations, contractors, et cetera, do we need to call in to get these questions answered, whether it's about funding, what programs are happening, and what's out there? I can give you a specific cooperative and hostile witness list of specific individuals uh, that were in those. And and how soon can we get that list? I'm happy to provide that to you after the hearing. All right. That's one. This is the other one. This is with uh, Congressman Burchette, who actually organized the hearing. Has the U.S. government become aware of actual evidence of extraterrestrial, otherwise unexplained forms of intelligence? And if so, when do you think this first occurred? I like to use the term non-human. I don't like to denote origin. Keeps the aperture open, both scientifically. Right. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, like I've dis- discussed publicly uh, previously, 1930s. Okay. Can you give me the names and titles of the people with direct first-hand knowledge uh, and access to some of this crash retrieval, some of these crash retrieval programs, and maybe which facilities, military bases that would the recovered material would be in? And I know a lot of Congress have talked about we're going to go to Area 51 and, you know, and there's nothing there anymore anyway. It's just, you know, and we move like a glacier. And as soon as we announce it, I'm sure the moving vans would pull up, but please. Uh, I can't discuss that publicly, but I did provide that information both to the Intel Committees and the Inspector General. 
and we could get that in the skiff if we were allowed to get in a skiff with you. Would that be probably what you would think? Sure, if you had the appropriate yeah. accesses, yeah. Uh, what special access programs cover this information, and how is it possible that they have evaded oversight for so long? Uh, I do know the names. Once again, I can't discuss that publicly and, and how they've evaded oversight. I, in a close setting, I can tell you the specific tradecraft use. All right. When, did, when do you think those programs began and who authorized them? I do know a lot of that information, but that's something I can't discuss publicly because of sensitivities. All right. If any of y'all want to jump in on any of this, you're more than welcome to. Um, what level of security clearance is required to fully access these programs? Well, anybody who has... Uh, and, I, and I say that oh. because myself, um, Representative Gates and Representative Luna were mm -hmm. basically turned away at one point mm -hmm. at Eglin. So please go right ahead. Uh, certainly a difference between member access and, say, somebody like me, but anybody who has a you know, TSSCI clearance and meets the eligibility criteria, the access adjudicative authority should be able to grant you so, access. So, yeah. uh, Ms. Birch, if you'll yield. So just to be put a fine point on that, there's nothing that you're aware of that's above special access program classification. It, it's a misnomer that there's anything actually above top secret. Executive Order 13.526 delineates the classification levels. Right. And, but I, I draw a point on that because we can have access to, mm -hmm. to those programs. And so the notion that we're not being given that access sort of defies our typical muscle memory here in Congress. Thank you, Mr. Burchard. I'll yield back to you. Thank you, Mr. Gates. Um, along those lines, Title 10, you may not know this or not, but uh, Title 10 and Title 50 authorization they, they seem to say they're inefficient. It, so who gets to decide this, in your opinion, in the past? Uh, it's a group of career uh, senior executive officials. Okay. Are they government officials? Both or in and out. Do what? Both in and out of government. And that's about as far as I, I got can you. go there. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that leads to my next question. Which private corporations are directly involved in this program? How much taxpayer money has been invested in these programs, to your knowledge? I I mean, we, know, we know we, we audit the Pentagon every year, and I've been here five years, and they failed the dadgum thing every year. They uh, lose over a billion dollars a year, we think, and I've told the Department of Defense maybe 60% of their assets are unaccounted for, whatever the heck that means. In the public sector, you go to jail for that kind of crap. So tell me. Yeah, I know when I, um, I'm a dollar off of my DTS travel voucher, I get hammered, but it uh, seems like it doesn't work the other if way, you right? Sell over yeah. six, if you sell over $600 worth of stuff on eBay, now you get a call from the IRS. So mm -hmm. please, what corporations? Yeah, I don't know the specific metrics towards the end of your question. Uh, the specific corporations I did provide uh, to the committees in specific divisions, and uh, I spent 11 and a half hours with both Intel committees. So. Okay, has there been any... Has there been an active U.S. government disinformation campaign to deny the existence of unidentified aerial phenomena? And if so, why? I can't go beyond what I've already espoused publicly about that. <laughs> Trying to get him to ask a specific question. And let's see. Okay, I've been told to ask you what that what that is and how to get it in the record. What, which, uh, what have you stated publicly in your interviews for the congressional record? Uh, yeah. If you uh, reference my News Nation interview and I talk about a multi-decade you know, campaign to, um, 
disenfranchise public interest, Sorry, basically. Sure enough, yeah. All right. So this is what we get. This is the hearing. It happened this morning. David Grush to Representative Burchette. Uh, the U.S. government has known about non-human intelligence in relation to UFOs since the 1930s. Roswell. Roswell. I want to pose an alternate theory to you. Because this should be big news, is it not? This should be the biggest news of all time. We have unidentified aerial phenomena with non-human life forms inside the vehicles we found in crashes. This should be the biggest news of our lives. Forget China. Forget Hunter Biden. Forget Donald Trump. Forget the Russians. Forget Ukraine. There are aliens. The guy on the History Channel is right. It's aliens. Not turtles. It's aliens all the way down. I bet they did build the pyramids. Ah, I bet the Sphinx is actually an alien. Why isn't this bigger news? Can you ask yourself that? And and, and what this gets to is there's a government cover-up designed to disincentivize coverage, to disenfranchise your your uh, your concern about it, to get you to play it off as cranks and nutters. And it's all real. Everything you thought was true. There are aliens. There are UFOs. The videos have been amazing. The video from the FA-18 of the the thing in front of it, they call it the Tic Tac. It looks like the the Tic Tac Tic Tac candy. It's a capsule shape, and it flies straight, exceedingly fast, and then turns ninety degrees on a dime without ever breaking a sweat. Still going above Mach one. It's amazing. They got the videos. They they've seen records of this capsule like device descending from eighty thousand feet to the surface of the Pacific Ocean, and then zooming back again with no recognizable propulsion. How are they doing it? It defies the laws of physics. Can I suggest an alternative theory? An alternate theory? This may be out there for some of you. I'm not going angels and demons. I'm not going heaven and hell. I'm going psychological warfare. Our military estimates are that we are within five years of a war with China, that we cannot defeat them, that in all of our war game scenarios, 200 war game scenarios, 180 of them, the Chinese won. We are short on missiles. We are short on armor. We're short on ammo. We're short on weapon systems. The supply chain is out of whack. We're dependent on the Chinese for the microchips that go into our weapon systems. So China, guess what? We've got alien technology that you don't know about. We've got technology that puts us ahead of you because the aliens came. We got the bodies. We got the aliens, China. 
We got the aliens and we got their spaceships and you got Jack. And we're going to learn how to fly them. And when you invade Taiwan, you're going to see these UFOs coming for you and it's going to be us because we got the technology. Do you really want to invade Taiwan, China? Do you really want to invade Taiwan? Do you want to take on the alien craft that we have that you don't know about that are light years ahead of current technology? A leapfrog event of technology leaping over you. Do you really want to call our bluff? I've settled on this position. Because a number of things here, you can't keep this stuff secret. Don Rumsfeld was a friend, not a great friend, but he was a friend, hung out with him a number of times. Donald Rumsfeld, Secretary of of, um, Defense, he worked with the Warren Commission on the Kennedy assassination, and he said the fact of the matter is that you can't keep a secret in government. People cannot keep secrets in government. There are a lot of these crazy conspiracy theories are conspiracy theories because you can't keep secrets in government. And yet we've somehow been able to keep deep secrets about UFOs since the 1930s divided between, as you just heard this guy say, private and public corporations between the federal government and outside entities, outside contractors. We've got all of these shadow organizations out there. We've got shadow budgets, all of these things. I think this is an elaborate ruse to throw China off its game. We don't have aliens, and we don't have alien technology. But it is in our vested interest to convince the world that we do. It is in our vested interest to convince the world that we're deriving leapfrog technologies from this. You want to come for us? you got to come for our alien tech. And you can't because it's so much more Uh, and fathomably greater and technologically advanced than ours. By the way, if it's aliens, it's probably demons. I mean, I believe that there is the unseen realm. Uh, You're fighting angels and demons. Uh, You'd have to find uh, warp tech or or a wormhole tech to be able to get here from anywhere else in the universe. You'd have to travel faster than light. You'd have to have that technology. It doesn't really make sense that the aliens have all this incredible technology that gets all the way to the to the planet, and then it crashes and they die. I mean, why do you why do you, if they got all this technology, why do they even put the aliens in it? Why not just do it remote, navigate from Alpha Centauri without the aliens in the capsule? Why send the aliens and have them die in a crash? And you haven't come looking for them. I just think the easiest, simplest, rational Occam's razor answer is we don't have aliens. We're running a giant, elaborate PSYOPs campaign to try to deter the Chinese from aggression in Taiwan until we can catch up militarily and technologically and and resupply our weapon systems and get Taiwan off the ground. And in the meantime, we're saying we got aliens, we got alien tech. You better be careful what you do. I just think we're all being played. Did you know China has made it a priority to teach students financial literacy starting in preschool? Financial literacy isn't taught in our elementary schools, and parents lack the resources to teach it at home. American kids are yet again being left behind. Now there's a great way for parents and grandparents to help the kids they love learn about finance, thanks to the Sensibles. And at bcs-kids.com. The Sensibles are a team of animated superheroes who help kids age 6 to 12 develop smart money habits in a fun way. BCS-Kids.com was created to channel this multimedia resource to kids everywhere. 
Buy a subscription for your loved ones, and each month, they'll get a Sensibles kit in the mail with an entertaining DVD, comic book, and activities. Digital subscriptions are also available. They'll also get access to an interactive website with a library of lessons, fun activities, and more. Want 20% off the monthly subscription costs? Visit at bcs-kids.com. Enter the promo code ERIC, my name, E-R-I-C-K. It's the sensible thing to do. Subscribe today at bcs-kids.com. Hello there. Welcome. Now, I want to read to you an email from a dear friend of mine. Uh, this is this is what he, his view of the matter. The UFO phenomenon, including alien abductions, is real, but it does not involve extraterrestrial life or aliens as understood by modern popular culture. It is easily grasped as merely the latest episode of a very ancient phenomenon, demonic activity. You can map a lot of that onto what we see in abductions, especially with reports of especial interest by the abductors in human reproductivity, the soul, emotive content, and so on. You can also map it onto the discovery that circulates around quite a lot in niche internet now that an abduction experience will terminate with a sincere invocation of the name of Jesus. All that plus the appearance of signs and wonders in the heavens pretty well point towards the nature of this thing. I actually believe that it's unlikely. Uh, The United States government has recovered non-human technology and corpses, but we have to understand that this is not new. The kings of the ancient Near East had non-human counselors, the Apkalu, whose role was to parcel out knowledge and technology in exchange for worship. In the more modern era, political figures like Francisco Madero and Houston Chamberlain also spoke of their non-human counselors, albeit non-corporeal, who gave them superior vision and understanding. It's no accident their works turned out universally malevolent. The presentation changes, but the theme remains the same. Bottom line, they're real, they're evil, they're not a new evil. We simply no longer possess the societal capacity to recognize them for what they are. Whitley Stryber, an acknowledged occultist, wrote his 1987 Communion and successfully marketed as an alien contact memoir. A more aware generation would have immediately understood what he was really describing were the inevitable consequences of the state of his soul. There you go. That's from a friend of mine. I'm with him. It ain't aliens. It's either demons or it's just a psyop routine by the government scared to death the Chinese are about to attack and try to deter them by making them think we have technology that we don't actually have. Get to your phone calls when we come back. But first, I got to tell you, you need to get to omahasteaks.com, put Eric in the search bar and get the Hotter Than Fire Grill Pack. Why? Because you get over 60% savings and you get 12 burgers for free. That should be enough for you right there. Over 60% off, and you get 12 burgers for free. But you also get butcher cut fillets, boneless chicken breasts, boneless pork chops, gourmet jumbo franks. You can upgrade and get sides and dessert. There's so much more you can get at Omaha Steaks as well. And then you also get 100% satisfaction guarantee from Omaha Steaks. All you do, omahasteaks.com. You put Eric in the search bar, E-R-I-C-K. You get the Hotter Than Fire Grill Pack. You get it delivered to your door. You get 12 burgers for free. You get four additional burgers in the pack, by the way. So you get 16 total burgers. 12 of them are for free. You get 60% savings. You get it delivered to your door. You get the Omaha Steak Satisfaction Guarantee. They want you as a repeat customer, so they want you to be happy with the product. They're so good. Such beefy flavor in the burgers as well. But it's just a great company. They've been doing this since 1917. They know what they're doing. OmahaSteaks.com. That's the website. OmahaSteaks.com. At the top, you'll see a search bar. Put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Get the Hotter Than Fire Grill Pack. 
Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Waiting very patiently out there is Dale. Dale, welcome to the program. Thanks for being patient. Hi there. What's going How on? How are you doing? Good. How are you? Well, yeah, good, good. Uh, moving along now. I'm out of the big traffic stuff. Uh, going back a ways. Two things I do to maintain my sanity regarding all this idiocy that's going on, and especially in, in D.C. and stuff, Psalm 71, 72, and 73, which tell me that they will face justice. Mm-hmm. And they will never be able to weasel out of that one. And then the other one is I don't watch the news. That kind of helps me maintain my cool. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be yelling at the TV all the time. Listen, okay, so Dale, let me let me talk about the last one first, uh, because in all seriousness, uh, I appreciate that people listen to this program, and I try to make it not just talk radio but news talk, and the difference being I try to cover the headlines of the day and tell you what's going on in the world today so that you don't yep. have to be angry watching the news at night, and I just don't think it's healthy to constantly have on Fox News or MSNBC or any other news channel because they're designed psychologically to try to keep you coming back for more. And the way they do that is by rage. And and if you want to make yourself a calmer, happier person, turn off the TV. Listen to me. Turn Mm -hmm. off the TV. That's a great line. Just come up with that. (laughs) But, okay, Psalm 73, I don't know if you know this or not, Psalm 73 is my favorite psalm. Um, Mm -hmm. And the reverse of it is Psalm 37. Uh, 37 is by David, 73 by Asaph. But for those of you who don't know, so Psalm 73 is this guy Asaph who looks around the world and he says, this is is just unjust. All of the rich people who hate you, God, are doing extremely well. Why am I, a guy who loves you, not doing as well as the people who hate you? And then he has this epiphany while he's prayed about it. He says, I finally realized this is an act of mercy, that that they will slip away quickly. And this is the best they will ever have it. This is the worst I will ever have it. And I, I take some solace in that, that if you're if you're a person of faith, a believer, mm-hmm. and you look at the people who they're secular, hedonist, and, and they, they live lavish lifestyles, they live in Hollywood, they're Hunter Biden getting away with all of this stuff, uh, justice will come. And that what you're seeing is actually an act of mercy because this is the very best for eternity they will ever have it. God's being kind to them, knowing what's coming. And you're living a life in a world hostile to your values. And this is really literally the worst it's ever going to be for you. And I, I, I get comfort in that. Yep. So, look, I appreciate that very much. And thanks for being patient. Now, on that regard, in, in that regard, you, you know, I, I, I got to teach Sunday school. For those of you new to this, years ago— now, it's been a number of years. I had a, a small churches reaching out because I do talk about faith and culture, and some people say it's annoying um, that, that I talk too much about it. I, I, I try to refrain myself or restrain myself from it. But a number of years ago, I was talking about cultural and faith issues on my flagship station, WSB, when I was just a local host, and I started getting these phone calls. And they kind of creeped me out. And, and not in a, well, I mean, how, how can you say not in a bad way when you say creep me out? But I was getting these calls from these little churches saying, hey, the pastor's going to be out of town. Do you think you'd like to fill in one Sunday? And it just didn't sit right with me. Why are you asking me, a political news talk radio show host, to fill in for your pastor on a Sunday? But it kept happening, and I kept saying no. And I felt like, you know what? I should go to seminary. 
So I did. And I went to Reform Theological Seminary. And the president of the, the, the RTS, my seminary, it has um, schools in it's headquartered in Jackson, Mississippi. It's got them in Charlotte, Orlando, D.C., Atlanta, Georgia, and went to the Atlanta campus. And John Soule, the president of the Atlanta campus, made me go to lunch with him. I don't know if he's listening right now or not, but he said, you got to make me a promise before you go to seminary. I said, what? He said, well, you promise, and then I'll tell you what you're promising. I said, okay. Promise you, don't go to seminary. I said, well, how's this going to work? He said, well, you just come take classes. Take every class you want, but don't work on a degree because then you'll start sounding like that on the radio. Nobody wants to hear that. It was great advice. And so I just went and I started taking classes. I took the systematics. I took apologetics. I took covenant theology, took the prophets, took the gospels. I still got more to take. I'm ultimately headed towards a degree, I guess. I moved into a PhD program, though, uh, at um, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary to start working on my PhD. But I decided I got to go finish up um, my RTS work because I love the campus. And the doctoral work for my PhD is all very remote, and I'm just not good and self-disciplined enough for remote work. But anyway, so I started uh, getting the, these invitations again. I said, hey, I'm in seminary, and these, these churches call back and say, hey, pastor's out of town. Do you want to come? I was like, well, sure. And they're like, well, where are you going to seminary? It's like, reformed theological. It's like, uh, reformed? And rarely have I gotten to preach on a Sunday. But I'm teaching Sunday school this Sunday. And it's kind of funny that the 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 Psalm seventy three. I'm 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 actually teaching. It's on how do you navigate through a world essentially a post Christian world. And one of the uh, so I'm going to focus on Jonah and Amos and Jeremiah, and then uh, I'll focus on on uh, a larger summation of the Beatitudes from the New Testament for the fourth Sunday. But Amos is actually my favorite book of the Bible. If you've never read it, uh, evangelicals don't read Amos. Uh, and they don't read Amos because progressive theologians have taken Amos as their own because Amos is the book of the Bible that talks about the social gospel and the social and social justice. Because Amos tells, goes up to, to Israel and says, um, you're going to be judged based on how you took care of the widows, the orphans, the poor, and the refugees. And progressive theologians have taken that on. But what he's actually saying is that uh, your, your faith your faith is not determined by your works, but you, you reflect your faith in how you take care of the people who can't take care of themselves, how you treat others around you. In other words, as Jesus says, love your neighbor. And it's just, it's great. It's a great book in the Bible. But one of the things about it is historically, um, yep, there goes my crazy phone workout program. Um, so Amos goes from Judah up to Israel and all the people up in Israel say, dude, why are you here? Look at us. We are exceedingly wealthy. You guys down in Judah are dirt poor farmers. We have commerce and industry and trade. We are a trade hub. All, all the other empires come here. We're making real mint here. Leave us alone. Clearly God loves us. And Amos says to him, actually, the whole reason you have this wealth is because you, this is an act of mercy because you're about to be destroyed. Terrors will come for you in the middle of the night. The sword will pierce you and the plow will grind you into the ground. You're allowed to make all this money right now because this is the best you're ever going to have it. It's Kind of a, a wake-up call um, when you look at a lot of the, the, the rich people out there and you're jealous of them. You know, one of the things we have in, in society today, and man, this is going off on a tangent, Dale. This, this is all your fault. One of the things we have in society today, we have these cults of personality on the left and the right. 
uh, people embrace other people. Uh, look at young white uh, alt right guys and Andrew Tate. They love Andrew Tate. Or look look at them. Uh, the, the fixation on anything that Tucker Carlson says must be true because Tucker Carlson said it. Look at the people who are big Donald Trump fans. Look at even the DeSantis fans now. The DeSantis fans can just be as as nasty as the Trump fans sometimes. If you disagree with their guy, they come after you. Look, look on the left. Look look at the people who worshipped Barack Obama. Uh, or, or even now that they can't bring themselves to criticize Joe Biden or Hunter Biden because that's their team. And a lot of it is people gravitate towards the successful. Look at social media influencers. Now, I, I am technically a social media influencer. You know, I do an ad for the Georgia Spa Company. I sat in my hot tub last night. And I love it, and I'm happy to do it. But I got to label it if I put up a picture on Instagram because because I'm a paid endorser, and, and I can influence people and say, you know, if you want a hot tub or a spa for your backyard, go to Georgia Spa Company. Get a get a hot spring spa. I can do this. Social media influencing has become a real big thing, and a lot of social media influencers they don't want to just live their life online with you. The social media influencers, they only want to show you their best life. I follow some of these guys. I know some of them, and I know they're having a bad time. I know one of them struggles with depression. You'd never know that from Instagram. You would never know that from a social media feed. And he draws people in. He's a, he's a, a fitness influencer. He's a very nice guy. I know him. I'm friends with him. Draws people in. But he struggles. His life is not all that. You see him traveling the world. You see him doing all of these things. But he's struggling financially. He's struggling with his family. He's divorced. He's got all these problems. And you don't see that online. And he draws people in and he builds people up. And he tries to encourage people by showing them his best life now. And they think they can have it. And they really can't. And he doesn't even have it. But it's also curated because the cults of personality draw people in. Wealth draws people. Success draws people. But at the end of the day, it's also empty. It's also empty. So I was talking to this guy a while back, and he's—I he's, I, don't—I don't want to get into a lot of details because it's—it's—it's it's his business, and he clearly doesn't want people who follow him online to know it because of how he conveys himself. But—but but I do know the guy. He's—he's—he's he's, he's a very nice guy. And I was—I was—I was telling him. I said, you know, this is all well and good, but this is fleeting. Your looks are fleeting. You—you you don't have a wife. You don't have kids. You have no one to take care of you. You you have a number of women you sleep with, but you, you're not really in a relationship. Who's going to take care of you when you get old? And he looked at the he was looking at the wealth and, and and the money that was coming in and thinking this is good. I'm hitting my metrics, but are you really hitting your metrics? I struggle with that as well. I I, I want more money. I want to be more financially successful. I do. And then I wonder sometimes I read these things in the Bible. It's like, oh, if, 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 if I hit the lottery tomorrow, if I win the lottery tomorrow, if I get a billion dollars tomorrow, the, the mega millions, I guess, is now at like 900 to a billion dollars. Yeah, I did get a ticket. Am I being punished? No, nah, I don't think I am. But, I mean, money can be deeply corrupting. Have you all read the stories of the people who win the lottery and it ruins their lives? Money can be deeply corrupting. God will give you enough rope to hang yourself. It's you, not him. He provided you the blessings you wanted, and you ruined it all.
We see that a lot in our world today, don't we? This is one of my frustrations with so many people in politics. They, they get so wrapped up in who is the cool guy, who is the guy who resonates. They don't know anything about the person. They just know their current message, the flavor of the week. It's also so temporary. It's also passing. It's also fleeting. But what does he stand for? What do you stand for? Do you stand for anything or just the here and now for the good time? You need to stand for something. And and so often now in politics these days, no one really stands for anything. They stand for whatever the, the leader of their cult stands for, the leader of their personality cult. If that guy stakes a position where you're going to stake a position, when that guy goes and you find a new guy, that guy's positions may be opposite the last guy's, and you'll see nothing wrong with changing your mind because that's who you follow now. I, listen, I would like to, at the end of my life, have people say one of the worst things about this dude is he never changed his mind. He never changed his position. I changed my mind on stuff. And I've changed my position on stuff. But the stick in your finger in the wind, where are the people right now? You know, people are stupid. People are stupid. Collectively, they're stupid. If you're sticking your finger in your wind to see in the wind to see which way the wind is blowing and that's how you're going to stake out your position, you're going to be a worse person for it. You should have some conviction, have some core. Not based on what someone else told you, you should have some basis of thinking what is right and what is wrong. Not being persuaded by others of what is right and what is wrong. And too often in society today, we find a core of people who have no core. They're emptied out. They're hollow. They're empty vessels waiting to be filled by someone else. We see this so much on the left with the environmentalists and the, the wackos out there. I read a story. Get this. Where is this? I just had this a minute ago. You're going to love this. Do you know what the nuts now want to do? I'm, I was, uh, I, I was kind of, I thought this was a joke, but it's not a joke. This is from the Huffington Post. This is from Dean Pretorius, could a small nuclear war reverse global warming? This is actually from 2011. Nuclear war is bad, right? Right. Scientists from NASA and a number of other institutes have recently been modeling the effects of a war involving 100 Hiroshima-style bombs. The research suggests 5 million metric tons of black carbon would be swept up into the lower portions of the atmosphere and it would cool us. It would cool us. Perhaps it's time to start thinking of launching some. Really? You're being led around by the fears placed in you by others. You have no principal convictions yourself, so you're ready to start a nuclear war to cool the world. These people are crazy. The bottom line, the moral of the story, I digress. I should get out of here and go to a commercial break. The bottom line story is this. At the end of the day, you should have something you believe in greater than yourself and not money. You should have a cause you believe in, not tied to a person, but to an idea. Because at the end of the day, people will die. We are all mortal. Every single one of us is going to die. Maybe you listening right now, by the end of this day, today is your last day. Have you committed yourself to an idea that will last beyond you? Have you created a family that will be intergenerational beyond your day? Or have you just put your hope and fears in politicians who will always disappoint you and one day too will die and be forgotten? In other words, are you just here to improve the here and now or are you here to improve tomorrow? And so many people forget about tomorrow. And tomorrow is built not on men but on ideas and then the men who carry out those ideas. But too many of us forget about the ideas. It's the ideas and the principles 
that matter so much more than you or me. We begin, we end the program where we began the program with breaking news, though this not about Hunter Biden. Uh, singer Shanane O'Connor has died. Nothing compares to you, singer. Uh, but uh, also Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve, they have raised interest rates. Our interest rates are now the highest they have been in 22 years. Uh, the quarter percentage point increase will bring the Fed funds rate to uh, 5.25 to 5.5%. Policymakers indicated at the June meeting that two rate hikes are coming this year. And Jerome Powell signaling uh, that they will take it on a case-by-case basis and they might just hold steady now a change in tone from his last statement. Markets are rallying on the news, you should know. Let me pull up my stock tracker here. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up right now, 157 points. NASDAQ up 16 points. Uh, the S&P 500 up nine points as um, they take in the news that the era of rate hikes from the Federal Reserve may, may uh, stop after this 25 basis point increase. Powell said inflation has moderated somewhat since the middle of last year, but hitting the Fed's 2% growth target has a long way to go. He left room for to potentially hold rates steady at the September meeting, saying, quote, we will continue to make our decisions meeting by meeting based on the totality of the incoming data and their implications for the outlook of economic activity and inflation, as well as the balance of risks. The post-meeting statement had offered only a vague reference to what will guide the future moves, the statement saying, quote, the committee will continue to assess additional information and its implications for monetary policy. Ooh, yeah, really, really like in-depth stuff there. <laughs> um, so now how does this, this uh, affect you? Well, in theory, your savings account interest rates will go up, but that doesn't seem to be happening with a lot of banks. But your mortgages and your um, and your home equity lines of credit, those rates will go up. Your credit card rates could go up. Uh, interest rates for vehicles and the like will go up. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna cost you more money because of this. Banks will increase their rates. So there you have it. Um, the the uh, upside of the though is it stabilizes the economy. It does stabilize markets. And it does actually help to cause inflationary pressures to recede. However, with gas prices and bread prices going up, uh, we could still have problems in the economy. Um, So stay tuned. Stick around. But that's your breaking news. The Federal Reserve has raised interest rates 25 basis points or a quarter of a percent, bringing the Federal Reserve funds rate up to the highest it's been since March of 2022. This is the 11th consecutive increase. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.